out of paper, out of stock. There's friendly faces around the block. Break loose from the chains that are causing you pain. Call Michael and Stanley, Jim Dwight Creek. Paper people. Time out, time out, time out. Hey, paper people. Hey, hey. Welcome to Out of Paper, episode 28. It's the big one. It's the big one. Mm-hmm. Tonight, it's casino night. Yeah. Get your gambling shoes on, paper people. <laughs> Look, uh, I lost it. Well... I could I could tell where you were going with that, Rob. Yeah. It was going to be really funny. It was going to be great. Yeah. <laughs> funny, it. heartfelt, witty, All touching. Yeah. yeah. Just the right amount. The perfect joke, really. The perfect mm-hmm. opening joke. Right. Yeah. Well, maybe one day. Yeah. <laughs> well, it is the finale of season two. It really is. We just did a 22 episode run 22 weeks we've been going straight every week for 22 weeks it does not feel like it no it doesn't yeah it feels good i still look forward to it each week i know yeah me too yeah yeah 22 weeks non-stop i wonder if we're gonna feel like this at our 122nd week <laughs> only time will tell <laughs> we should probably leave all our preconceived notions at the door yes well paper people we have some announcements and just general housekeeping that we want to go through for you Mm -hmm. we're going to be taking a small sabbatical between seasons two and three just a couple weeks maybe three maybe four Mm -hmm. we will have some tasty little webisode nuggets for you in between but we're gonna we're gonna take some time to really kind of revamp the show up our social media game and our web presence. Retool. Yeah. Rework. Try and cast a broader net so we can catch all the paper people. Exactly. We yes. want all of you. We do. And uh, on that note, we're also going to be making some big, well, not, you know, changes to necessarily the structure of the show, no. but. Show's going to be the same. Yeah. We're definitely going to be changing the name so that we don't share it with a defunct office podcast that has yes. kind of wrecked our SEO up I'm to sh- this point. I'm sure <laughs> some of you have, have noticed when you search for our podcast on Apple Podcasts or even some other platforms. Right. There's another out of paper that pops up. Maybe some of you even have only listened to that out of paper thinking that's the one we were telling you about and you're not hearing my voice right now. Yeah, that could be. And you're probably also really pissed that we just stopped at the fifth episode and haven't done another one for years. For years. (laughs) We announced that it was coming three years after the fact. Right. And then we stopped making content. (laughs) Before we even started almost. Which is what the other out of paper podcast did. Right. So... Yes, it's disappointing. We like we've liked this name, but truth be told, it not, wasn't our first choice. It wasn't our first choice. Our, our first choice was also taken. Kind of. Yeah. We were we were initially the People Persons Paper People podcast, but there was already a People Persons Paper podcast. Kind of a mouthful in retrospect. 
It is, yeah. but you know, it's the chorus of a song, so it's memorable for the people who have seen the show. And right, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I enjoyed it when we came up with it. Me too. Initially, yeah. It was a it was a stand standout winner for me compared to some of the other ones we had come up with. But, right. But we've got some new ones now that we're mulling over that are just as exciting, in my opinion. From henceforth, we are going to be known as Toby's Grundle. Oh God. <laughs> No, we're not. Smile if you like men's prostates. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that that's going to be the that's that's a perfect name. Smile if you like Smile. men's prostates. No, we're not. I doing bet that. there's some like proctologist or something that already has that. <laughs> Do proctologists check prostate check prostates? I guess I, they could I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're already there. They are. They might as well. Yeah. Um. Well, we're going to get our prostate exams over the break too. So. <laughs> Don't you worry about that. Yeah. <laughs> We're also going to have a new theme song. I, Dan and I recorded our own version of the People Person's Paper People song. I'm really excited about putting that up. Yeah, me too. I've been humming it for a while. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty, singing it. It's pretty fun. Yeah. I think we did a good job with it. And uh, we also had an idea, considering that we all do this show together, that uh, if anyone wanted to... And you want to be a part of our intro song once we post it. But uh, I was thinking that if people wanted to, they could send in a recording of themselves singing the people person's paper people part. Hell yeah. And by the end, by the end of this run of this podcast, we could potentially have thousands of people singing that line. We want to hear all the paper people and we want to get them all into one track. Yeah. It would make Frank Zappa weep with joy. (laughs) (laughs) And you don't, you don't have to have like a really strong recording device, just pop in headphones, listen to it and use like a voice recorder app on your phone and send me that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's all we want. Yeah. And then you'll be part of our intro song every time there's a new episode. Mm hmm. Yeah. I think maybe be... if anybody does any really standout ones, we can play those, you know, put, yeah. put that to music by itself or there something one week. How about this? Anyone Add it to the mix, anyone who participates, I'll put you singing the song with just Dan and I in the chorus and send that to you yourself. But I'll also include you in the main intro song and you'll be in it for every episode past that point. I like it. Yeah. So, cause you know, who doesn't want to sing with Dan and Rob? We're such big celebrities at this point. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a dream of mine to sing with us for years. Yeah. And I'm glad that I finally, I've had the opportunity. <laughs> So we will be doing some webisode commentary. I think the way we're going to go about it is we'll have a link to the webisode in the episode description, and we'll just have a quick casual conversation about, you know, various things that happened in it and what we liked about it. And Mm -hmm. we'll be releasing those throughout the break. So you won't be without your Dan and Rob fix. And any trivia tidbits, of course, that we find. Of course. Discover. Yeah research and this is exciting to me because i've i've seen all the webisodes but it's been a long time i don't it's i barely remember any of them too. yeah i I don't remember any details so it's gonna be like watching them again for the first time so i'm I'm very excited about that i can't wait Woo! also if you want to spread the word about this podcast i'm going to be retroactively remastering a lot of our older episodes that weren't up to podcast loudness standards so 
for our longtime listeners, you probably know, sound quality wasn't pristine from the beginning. But I'm going to go back and fix that, re-upload all the episodes. So now would be a great time for you to share this podcast with your friends and get them into it. I do have to say, Rob, though, that even though I don't disagree with what you've just said, Uh with you being the person who's been editing every episode of our podcast, you know, I I feel like even those early on episodes are not to like toot our own horn or your horn, but, (laughs) you know, up to the quality of a lot of professional podcasts, even despite the audio inconsistencies. Fair enough. Yeah, I I just want to bring all the levels up to the proper loudness standards. That's really it. It's not so much that like... It's unintelligible what we recorded. Well, no, that, of course, yeah. but just having having listened to a lot of podcasts of various kinds. Oh, yeah. There's some rough ones. Yeah. There. I feel like sometimes there are people that uh, you know put out some great content, but their audio quality really gets in the way of me being able to absorb it. Agreed. Yeah. And, you know, that's kind of why I want to go back and just make sure that everything's up to snuff so that you don't have to turn up your phone volume to ear-bleeding levels when you switch over to something else <laughs> and then hear our booming laughter that you know deafens you that too. when the clip ends <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so yeah all good things yes we just need a little bit of time to to get it all in place but they're coming oh yeah they're all coming and when we come back for season three it's just gonna be that much better of a show Mm-hmm. so we're gonna get nuts with it we are. Yeah. Yeah. We have guests. We got Ken Kripi. We're going to kick it up a notch. <laughs> Bam. Just like that. Emerald. Emerald. <laughs> what? <laughs> All right. So that's it for housekeeping. Yeah. Let's move on to some news. Don't have much unless you found more than I did. I did not. I didn't even know how newsworthy it was, but it was it's, a fun picture. So I, yeah, figured, I liked it. I, I wanted to share it with people more than anything else. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. So Angela Kinsey, who plays our favorite Angela Martin, mm-hmm. recently took a picture of herself sitting at a replication of Michael Scott's desk in, is it a new NBC store? I have to assume it's probably I think not. It's, oh. I mean, I know that NBC is based in Manhattan, I assume. Maybe they have an NBC yeah. store in LA. I guess it could be either one. Oh. But I have to assume they've had a store for a while wherever this store was. That makes sense. But I think the desk is new. Oh, yeah. So that's the, the, yes. the reason she was there. There's a new replica of Michael Scott's desk that you can take your picture at there. And I think... Uh, Maybe as a way to promote it, she went there and had her picture taken, and yeah, it's fun. That's the real reason Rob and I are taking a break for a month, is we are going to fly out to the NBC store and sit at the desk. Taking a little pilgrimage. Yeah. And even if our pictures don't come out the best, luckily we're both kind of masters of Photoshop, so (laughs) I'm sure it'll turn out okay. (laughs) All we gotta do is flip our mouths upside down, and everything will be groovy. (laughs) And that's really all we got for news. Light, light news week. Yeah, and she she did the Angela face and pose. You know, looked very strange. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I didn't really think about that, but yeah. I think she wrote in her tweet that she had to sit there as Angela. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, fun I wonder, stuff. I wonder if it's kind of weird to play a character with your same first name. I don't know. I don't either. But yeah. that being said, let's jump into the episode. Let's do it. All right, tonight we got well tonight. 
it's not tonight for most people listening, probably. This morning. <laughs> or today. Today. We or have, whenever you're listening. Yeah. Maybe some of our listeners are in a place where it's constantly day or night this time of the year. That's true. So. Could be dawn. Yeah. Whoever you are, wherever you are. Whenever you are. <laughs> Indeed. And whatever it looks like. Today we're covering season two, episode 22 of The Office, titled Casino Night. 20th overall. There it is. We already mentioned it. I know, I kind of did. Couldn't hurt to bring it up one more time. It's true. We can just edit out your first mention. There you go. (laughs) It aired on May 11th, 2006, to approximately 7.7 million viewers. Or 77 million, or 0.7 million. Yeah. You know? You 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 never know. Yeah, except the Lady Fortune. I really like this episode is written by Steve Carell. Yeah, is this our first Steve Carell written yeah. episode? I think so. Yeah, I it noticed is. that. And it's directed by, out of paper's favorite, Ken Quippy. Ken Quippy. <laughs> Back in the saddle. Oh, yeah. Looks like they really bring him out for the important episodes. I was going to say, it's, got the Sky and Retainer. it's been a while since we've had a Quippy joint. Mm-hmm. I'm glad he's back. Yeah. All right, let's uh let's dip into a little trivia before we get into the the body of this casino night. That's a long one. It is. That's right. Yeah, this episode is 28 minutes, which is about 6 minutes longer than its normal 22. Yeah, so uh, a little more content for you. Almost paper a people. third more of the content. Yeah. Yeah. It's exciting stuff. It is. All right. So the playing cards that we see in the in the episode are Bicycle Riderback brand, produced by the United States Playing Card Company. This brand is rarely seen in television films or in real-life poker events due to their expensive price. B brand playing cards, which are also produced by the United States Playing Card Company, are much more common because they're cheap. Yeah, seems like they just, most things use B, not right. that other kind, for yeah. whatever reason. Because, I mean... Well, due to the cheapness, but... You're not going to see the quality of the bicycle rider back cards through a camera. Right. Uh, that's, yeah. I find it weird that they even used them for this episode. It's a weird little Yeah, I bet they just... Detail. I bet they had a gopher that just went out and bought playing cards and didn't think about it, maybe? I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. We always, we always <laughs> make... I, at least I always make assumptions like that. I just... I mean... It's, why not? It's like my brain needs an explanation. Yeah. So it comes up with one. Sure. Yeah. Sounds as good as anything I can think of. <laughs> uh, also, Michael says he's donating his money to Comic Relief if he wins, even though it no longer exists. This was an homage to the original British Office series, where an entire episode was devoted to raising money for Comic Relief. I remember that. Yeah. More trivia. We see Creed stealing from a vending machine, and he holds up a candy bar. The bar is made by Gertrude Hawk Chocolates, which is a company founded in Scranton. Yeah. It's funny, because I didn't recognize the candy bar, and it's almond-flavored, and I was like, man, where is he finding this almond-flavored candy bar? I thought it was weird, too. Where can I find one? Because I love almond candy. Well, when we make our pilgrimage to Scranton... Oh, there you go. <laughs> now we can... Yeah. We know where to get them. We'll hit up Gertrude. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> I mean, if we really want to be proper fans about it, we should go into an office park and see if we can steal one from a vending machine. Mm. Good point. Yeah. Man, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get mustaches. We'll put maintenance man uniforms on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And if we pull off stealing the candy bar, next stop, industrial copier. That's right. I love it. I can see the security guard's eyes. (laughs) (laughs) And finally, Michael's line, Jan Levinson, I presume, is a reference to journalist Henry Morton Stanley's reported first words to adventurer Dr. David Livingstone. Where he says, Dr. Livingstone, I presume, when the former found the latter in Africa. Yeah, and I I didn't even know that was a reference to anything until finding that bit of trivia. I just thought it was Michael... Being weird. Yeah. (laughs) Just putting a little flair, you know? Yeah. A little touch of whimsy. Razzle-dazzle. Give him a little bit of the old razzle-dazzle. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's start with the cold open, shall we? Let's get there. All right. Let's do it. We got a lot of episode to get through. We do. A lot of episode, a lot of clips. Yep. Yeah. Big stuff. Big stuff. The episode opens with Michael explaining that tonight the business park is having a casino night and they are converting the warehouse into a gambling hall. And as he's saying this, we see shots of neon signs with the names of the games on them and blue curtains everywhere and... Mm -hmm dealer tables and what have you. Uh, Michael goes on to say that he knows it's illegal in Pennsylvania, but it's for charity. He considers himself a great philanderer. (laughs) And it feels good to be able to look in the mirror at the end of the day and know that because of him, some little kid in the Congo has a belly full of rice this evening. And uh, I assume that most of our listeners know this, but in case they don't, uh, Michael calling himself a great philanderer is... Another classic Michael Scottism as a, uh, I think he's looking for a philanthropist. Yes. Yeah. And philanderer is someone who goes around, uh, I guess what, cheating on their spouse? Yeah. <laughs> Considers himself a great philanderer. <laughs> <laughs> Which actually he kind of does at points, it seems like. Yeah. Inaccurate as that may be. It's true. Yeah. Although in this episode, if anything, don't we kind of see Michael Scott as more of a philanderer than a philanthropist? <laughs> that is a good point. Mm. That is a good point. Maybe it's not a Michael Scottism. Yeah. Yeah. He's got his New York girl and Freudian, his local flavor. Freudian slip, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. From here, we move to Pam's desk, where we see Dwight arrive in a tux. Not just any tux. <laughs> this is like a tux you would wear at a state visit at the Royal Palace in... England. Yeah, it's got tails on it. Oh yeah, it's a it's, it's a got classic. that it's got that like low scoop vest. Right? Isn't yeah. that is that not part of a standard tux? Not the low scoop. I've only worn a tux like one time in my life, to be honest. With you. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like uh, your standard tuxedo has the three button vest. That, right. That goes, I think like, that is what I had. Yeah. It goes up to your sternum. And, like, down to your belly button. But this scoops, like, underneath Dwight's belly button. Mm. And it's got, like, that round shape to it. So, yeah. It's a very old-school, hyper-formal tuxedo that he's wearing. Jim, of course, pokes fun at him. (laughs) 
compares him to a maitre d' asking what the wait time is for a table for two. <laughs> and Dwight says that he would never serve Jim. Not in a million billion years. <laughs> and Pam compliments his tux and he says it was his grandfather's and he was buried in it. So, family heirloom. And <laughs> that causes pause in Jim and Pam as they both kind of stare straight ahead considering the fact that Dwight probably had to dig up his grandfather in order to get this tux back. Right. It's pretty disturbing, actually. I've, I've got a question for you. Yeah. Do you think that Dwight digging up his grandfather for this tuxedo was the start of the Shroot shotgun funeral tradition that we see in the final season of the series? Where he explains that uh, you know, they found claw marks in the inside of someone's coffin, so they decided to <laughs> shoot them you know, to make sure they were dead. It's a kindness. No, I don't think this was the start of it. Well, how many other dead relatives has Dwight been digging up over the years? Well... How many claw marks could he have found inside the coffins? Was it he himself who found the claw marks, or like... He didn't specify, but I, I don't think I it was like, Moe's. Well, no, but I feel like it was... This is... It's been a tradition for maybe a couple hundred years in his family. Maybe not. Maybe, yeah. They, I don't know. I don't know if they specify. I don't yeah. remember. I mean, when Dwight talks about his family, <laughs> sometimes he goes back hundreds of years. It's true. So it's, it's hard to tell. All right. Uh, Roy arrives and seems to be trying to get out of the event, complaining that it's lame that they have to buy their own drinks. And Pam is trying to convince him that it'll be fun. She says she's a roulette expert. <laughs> Dwight, of course, interrupts, saying that's impossible. Roulette is a game of chance. And Jim interrupts. Says he can always kind of win at roulette and explains that ever since he was a little kid, he's been able to move stuff with his mind. Only little things. Dwight is skeptical, pokes fun, but asks him to prove it. I love when he says, he's like, I don't believe you. Continue. Right. <laughs> dead serious. Yeah. <laughs> oh. So Dwight announces that Jim is about to prove his telekinetic abilities and calls for silence. So Dwight asks Jim to move the coat rack and Jim says, he'll try kind of shrugs and he raises his hand, points it at the coat rack and puts on a, a face of concentration. Everyone's quiet. Nothing really happens. And then all of a sudden you see the coat rack just kind of lean over a couple inches and go back. Mm -hmm. Starts wobbling back and forth a little bit. And Pam looks up at Jim with surprise. Yep. <laughs> and Dwight, of course, is just sinking into his chair. Just can't believe what he's seeing. And we see Pam give a little smile and wink at Jim. Mm -hmm. And Jim, continuing to hold his hand up, kind of smiles back, but seems to concentrate a little harder to get it to move one more time. <laughs> and after we see the coat rack move, we see a, a little silent talking head with Pam where she just kind of smiles and holds up an umbrella with a hook handle mm -hmm. that we assume she was moving the coat rack with uh, without Dwight seeing her do it. It was behind her desk. So at the end, you see a flabbergasted Dwight say, Oh my God. <laughs> 
I like that Roy is a good sport, because clearly he would be able to see it from where he's standing. Yeah, it's true. It just goes along. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I feel like most people wouldn't mind jumping at the opportunity to mess with Dwight a little bit. Totally. Yeah. And I mean, when Dwight calls for everyone's attention, we see that at the very least, Stanley and Phyllis actually look over and keep looking over from what we see. Yeah. And I like that everyone else in the office, or at least several people, see Jim, quote-unquote, using his telekinesis, but none of them obsess over it for the rest of the episode like Dwight. No. <laughs> I'm sure most of them just assume that it was Pam. Of course. Yeah. So we cut back from the intro credits, and we see Dwight <laughs> over at Pam's desk, and when she briefly looks away for a moment, Dwight makes a ring with his arms and goes over the top of the coat rack and brings it all the way down to the bottom to see if there were any like little strings attached that and it's a hilarious i mean it's like he's hugging it but just like slides (laughs) it makes me think of the poster of uh trump hugging the american flag but it's like basically if he Uh, like kept that position but then like slid his entire body like vertically like to the floor and then back up exactly (laughs) that's funny i like that he waits until Pam's not looking in that direction. Yeah. And uh, specifically... Doesn't want to get caught. by something. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Keeps glancing to check that she's not looking. (laughs) Very rapidly (laughs) checks the length of it. (laughs) Oh, it's so funny. And uh, here we get Michael on the phone with Jan. Yep, cutting to Michael's office. I try not to think of it as lagging behind. It's more of a David and Goliath thing. The fact of the matter is that your branch is currently number four of the five branches that I oversee. Top 80%. (laughs) Michael. Yep. You know that I'm very serious here. Jan, listen, I promise I will kick it up a notch. Bam. What? Emerald. Oh, actually, um, while I have you, not that I have you or have ever had you, but we're having our casino night tonight, and I think everyone would love to see their fearless leader here. I thought that you were there fearless leader. I am, but you are the Eva Perone to my Cesar Chavez. <laughs> I um, think you can handle it. Oh, Probably come on. Come on. It, you know, it'd be fun. I can I can hear it in your voice. You need a break. Goodbye, Michael. Janet and I understand each other. The romance thing is sort of on hold for the time being, but we're, we remain good friends. Good friends with privileges. Not now. Someday. <laughs> top 80 <laughs> percent i like that you can also hear in jan's voice throughout their conversation that while michael's being just classic ridiculous michael mm-hmm. she doesn't sound as irritated with him as she usually does she's got a softer tone than customary even she, though she hangs up on him she is kind of breaking bad news to him in a way well, that's true, but even so, she like laughs at a couple of his stupid jokes. Yeah, kind of chuckles. I mean, she did consciously, non-drunkenly kiss him at the end of the Valentine's Day episode, right? So, yeah, it's possible that between then and now, her I don't know feelings have softened a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, huh, yeah, it's a good observation. Or her life has just been in such a tailspin that now uh, the inconceivable seems a little more conceivable. It's true. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Moving forward, we see Michael out in the bullpen. 
speaking to the staff. They're all gathered around, and he explains that tonight is benefiting the Boy Scouts of America. <laughs> Oscar complains that they do that every year, and why can't they help people who are suffering? <laughs> Michael responds that the Boy Scouts need their money since they don't have cookies like the Girl Scouts. <laughs> and he says to Oscar that if he doesn't like it, he should concentrate on winning because at the end of the night, the person with the highest chip count gets to donate $500 to the charity of their choice and will also get a mini fridge courtesy of Vance Refrigeration. And I love Phyllis's expression right after he says that. Yeah, she looks so proud. Oh, yeah. She's real excited She's to be. beaming. Yeah. Beaming I, with positivity. I love it. Phyllis coming alive. Yeah. <laughs> Michael says to get their charities into Pam and that he will be playing for comedy relief. Pam and Jim inform him that that no longer exists. And Michael says comedy is very much alive, as are homeless people. <laughs> Pam says no, they stopped making that show. Well, then they need our money more than ever. Angela chimes in, making sure that everybody chooses an approved nonprofit organization and we get a little more back and forth in this clip about charities in the event of the night there's a great soup kitchen in downtown scranton delicious pea soup on thursdays i'll probably give the money to them something with animals or people kobe bryan has a foundation and he is so hot and he gave his wife the biggest diamond ring i know he didn't do it Maybe he did it. We are giving money that has been gambled. Why don't we just deal drugs or prostitute ourselves and donate that money to charity? Oh, and another fun thing. We, at the end of the night, are going to give the check to an actual group of Boy Scouts. Right, Toby? We're going to... Actually, I didn't think it was appropriate to invite children since it's, uh, you know, there's gambling and alcohol and it's in our dangerous warehouse and it's a school night. And, you know, Hooters is catering. You know, is, that enu is that enough? Should I keep going? Why are you the way that you are? Honestly, every time I try to do something fun or exciting, you make it not that way. I hate so much about the things that you choose to be. <laughs> That is easy. It's maybe it's in my top three favorite Michael Toby exchanges. I'm with you. Oh my god! I think it might be. Yeah, it's not my number one. I've, my number one is very firm in my mind is the number one. But this is yeah, yeah. either two or three for sure. <laughs> Why are you <laughs> the way that you are? <laughs> I love that when it cuts to Michael after Toby finishes speaking, he just. Is looking at him with a look of just like it's disdain mixed with Toby just one hundred percent meeting his expectations as to what Toby would have said. Yeah, of just that he just is so ready for that to happen, and <laughs> and it's just so genuine. He's just so just done with Toby. <laughs> <laughs> Toby's delivery was great too. <laughs> yeah, so good. And even to when after Michael finishes 
asking him why he is the way that he is yeah. and saying how much he hates the things Toby chooses to be. Just <laughs> the first thing he does when he changes the subject is just wipe his eyes. Just like, oh my God, this guy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I'm curious, just because you brought up it being in your top three, is this your favorite overall? Or And if it's not, can you, I don't, that's why do you I, have a favorite? That's oh, okay. why I said top three, because I didn't want to commit. Okay. I was going to say mine <laughs> is always going to be the deposition with Jan at lunch. Oh when yeah. Toby sits down and discusses his parents' divorce with Michael. <laughs> and Michael's wordless reaction. Yeah. It's so good. <laughs> Toby, why? Why? <laughs> I I also really love the somehow. Somehow. Yeah, that is great. <laughs> oh. Oh, great Michael and Toby. Yeah. And following this, we have another clip that comes pretty much immediately after what we just saw, but I felt it was necessary to pause right after what Michael just said to Toby so we could get our, our reaction to it. Yeah, we had to talk about that. I love that. <laughs> I love that dialogue. <laughs> so here we, moving forward, we hear what Michael changes his charity to. Okay, you know what? I will not donate my winnings to Comic Relief, since apparently it doesn't exist. I am going to donate to Afghanistanis with AIDS. Nope, I think you mean the aid to Afghanistan. No, I mean Afghanistanis with AIDS. Afghani. What? Afghani. That's a dog. No, that's Afghan. That's a shawl. Wait, canine AIDS? No, humans with AIDS. Who has AIDS? Guys, the Afghanistanis. You know what? No. No, AIDS is not funny. Believe me, I have tried. There are certain topics that are off limits to comedians. JFK, AIDS, the Holocaust. The Lincoln assassination just recently became funny. I need to see this play like I need a hole in the head. (laughs) And I hope to someday live in a world where a person could tell a hilarious AIDS joke. It's one of my dreams. (laughs) man steve carell why have you not been writing more episodes right just that one scene there's so much gold it's so good it really is and yeah i just also just i don't know his delivery i love how genuinely he laughs after he makes the lincoln assassination joke yeah which is such an old joke oh yeah (laughs) Not just recently became acceptable. No. <laughs> and the, the Kennedy assassination is still off. Right, yeah. <laughs> off the Why? table. Yeah. 60 some odd years later. Oh, uh, that's funny. Or 50, whatever it was when this aired. <laughs> I also love that Jim makes that joke and then Michael acts offended. Yeah. <laughs> Afghanistan Annie's. <laughs> but really, Michael's just upset that Jim made a joke about AIDS because Michael's never been successfully able to to do that he's tried he's tried believe him i also i feel like it's kind of a beautiful dream that michael would love to live in a world <laughs> where an aids where joke tell a hilarious aids joke because yeah. i feel like the subtext is that you know aids isn't like a concern for the world anymore yeah that's a good so, point yeah that's a good point i'm with you michael i'd like to live in that world too <laughs> yes <laughs> from here we cut to pam's desk where jim notices pam looking at a box of tapes he picks up on the name Till Death Do Us Rock. And <laughs> Pam explains that Roy was supposed to pick the band, 
but is concentrating more on the bachelor party now, and she doesn't seem happy about that. Mm-hmm. Pam starts to get up, and Jim stops her, saying that even if she doesn't hire a band, she still needs to watch them. These are people who have never given up on their dreams, and he respects that. Sure, they're probably all really bad, but that will make Jim feel better about not having dreams. Pam notices there's a Kiss cover band in there. Let's do it. Her and Jim then head towards the conference room with the box of tapes. and She is very giggly as she does it, too. Oh, yeah. She's... Chasing after him, almost like a schoolgirl. Yeah, super happy. She loves it. She loves a, a team up with mm-hmm. Jim. She's been just very bubbly this whole episode too. It's true. Yeah, we get a talking head with Pam, where she says she's pretty happy these days. She's getting married soon, and she's getting along with everybody at work. And she kind of gives a happy little shrug. Yeah, that's a little Jim face. Yeah, we cut to a talking head with Jim where he responds to an unseen question about why he met with Jan about transferring. And he very solemnly replies that he has no future here. Yeah. Kind of looks around and shrugs. I found it a little weird. Uh, maybe you didn't. And, and not like weird enough that I it tracks in the episode in any way, but that they replayed the footage of Jan opening the door for Jim and that was it. And it was from a different him in. Yeah, it was from a different angle. Yeah, I don't know. I mean yeah. you gotta think that when this was airing, people were waiting a whole week between episodes. That's true. And I guess if it's done in the style of a fake documentary, that is a very documentary thing to do. Call up information right. that you previously talked about and show a brief mm-hmm. you know, clip over someone talking about it. Yeah. So yeah, so I guess it works. I'll give it to him. I'm being nitpicky. <laughs> As is my want. And from here we move into Michael's office, where Daryl is having a little discussion with him. <laughs> I have already put down the deposit. Do you understand how a deposit works? Mike, I am not having fire eaters in a paper warehouse. It's casino night. Like Las Vegas, there are fire eaters all over the place. Except my warehouse. Well, actually, it's my warehouse. Actually, it's owned by Beekman Properties, and Dunder Mifflin is four years into a seven-year lease. Why are you here? When Daryl was coming, you said you wanted me here for protection. That I said not that. We just have a lot of stuff down there that could be stolen. That's ironic. What? That you are afraid. Why? Because I'm from the hood? Dink and flicker. Can flicker. I taught Mike some uh, some phrases to help with his interracial conversations. You know, stuff like fleece it out, going Mach 5, dink and flicker. You know, things us Negroes say. Give me some. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, um, I taught him a handshake, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. I feel like we use that all the time, at least Dink and Flicka. <laughs> oh, yeah. Don't, we, we, I don't know if we've ever used Fleece It Out. No. Or Go and Mach 5. Go I don't Mach. know what the context would be for those either, though. You know what's funny? The uh, close captioning on Netflix for this episode spells out Gormach 5. Gormach 5? Yeah. Wow. I'm like, what does that even mean? And I'm going to have to. Agree to disagree with <laughs> yeah. whoever did the Netflix subs oh, on that yeah. one. No, it's definitely wrong. It's really fascinating how if you turn on subtitles for things, sometimes they are... <laughs> way off. Way so far off. Yeah. 
I've noticed too that uh, looking at different, you know, to to write up the episode summaries every week, mm-hmm. and look at quotes from the episode. Sometimes they don't get those right on the website that's specifically devoted to office quotes. I've noticed. In their defense, from what I've read about the little about this site blurb, mm. it was literally one guy who was frustrated that there wasn't a resource for him to look up specific office quotes. So he literally went through the whole series himself. Wow. And typed out all of the quotes that are there. I've never read the about section, but yeah. power to that guy, I suppose. So I'll give, give him some give leeway. Him, give him yeah. a little break. <laughs> He's not going to get it all correct. I can't help but feel like he could have gotten the scripts somehow if he had gone to NBC or DLD yeah, or something. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe that's like a something from yesteryear that doesn't happen anymore. I don't know. That's possible, too. Because, I mean... I mean, there are scripts. We've searched. We've searched plenty of office-related websites and blogs and wikis and all of that, and I've I still have yet to come across an entire script for an episode. That's a good point. Yeah. So it's too bad too because yeah. I've like for sure looked because I feel like you'll see. Yeah. It would be really cool to be able to compare to when Rain Wilson and Steve Carell start improvising versus what's written there or not written there. Oh, that's so true. And that was at least my thought process in looking for scripts. Yeah. Never found them. I remember. If any of our listeners have, sorry, what were you going to say? Yeah. If you if you know where some office scripts are, please let us know. Right, we'll send you stickers, songs. We'll write you songs. We'll play you so we'll, whatever you want. We'll That's give it right. to you. We'll give you an official, yeah. unofficial title and in the hierarchy of yeah. our of our show. We've already handed one out to a listener, but it'll be new podcast title with Dan and Robin Blank. You know, we'll we'll go that far if we have to. <laughs> well, we need to discuss that, but we're doing it, Rob. Executive decision. <laughs> In middle school, I want to say I was in eighth grade. I remember I was paired up with somebody and we had to do like a five minute scene of dialogue and act it out. That was our assignment. Mm -hmm. And I remember that we were on the internet just looking for scripts and we came across the entire script for the movie Dumb and Dumber. Nice. And we were flipping through scenes like, oh, what? What scene should we do? And then we came across one that neither of us recognized. Okay. I don't know if it was ever filmed or if it was cut before filming started, but it was a whole scene with Lloyd and Harry and talking about, uh, at one point, Lloyd took off his seatbelt for seemingly no reason, just... Okay. They had gotten, they were just driving along and he took his seatbelt off and Harry looks over and he's like, why'd you do that? Lloyd's like, oh, well... 99% 99% of the accidents you're going to get in happen within five miles of your home. And we just passed five miles, so I'm good. <laughs> and they go back and forth about that. And we ended up doing that scene for our assignment. Oh, well, that's great. Nobody had any idea what we were doing, and they weren't that excited when we explained it later. But we thought it was really cool. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's a fun bit. It's it was. weird that they cut that out of the movie. Yeah. It's probably a deleted scene. It could be. Yeah. Again, I don't know if they ever actually filmed it or if that would, you know, just made it into the script that made it onto the internet that we found. We should look so. for if they ever did, if there's anything we can find of that scene. Put it in our show notes if we find it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> we can probably find something on the internet somewhere. 
Yeah. Yeah. And going back to the clip that we just listened, I know we've gotten a little far away from it, but Oh yeah. <laughs> I uh I love when Michael says Dink and Flicka and you see Daryl just kind of like look down at the ground and then out of the corner of his eyes at the camera. <laughs> Almost embarrassed to say it back. <laughs> Yeah, he sighs. It's a very resignated sigh. Yeah. Yeah, dink and flicker. And Dwight <laughs> Dwight is looking at Michael like, what the hell did you just say? And I like that, yeah, when Daryl says, why? Because I'm from the hood. Dwight gets this, like, yeah, goofy, excited expression. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then the second Michael says dink and flicker, yeah, he's so puzzled. Just yeah. instantly, <laughs> smiles gone. Just, what? <laughs> and then when Daryl repeats it back, he gets even more confused. Yeah. <laughs> so good. <laughs> and their handshake they basically did like the the spock or whatever what's his race called the vulcan vulcan yeah peace symbol or whatever they, and they put their fingers they like kind of scissor <laughs> each other's hands right <laughs> in both different orientations and then turn either side of a big <laughs> bus wheel or something <laughs> yeah that was hilarious <laughs> That's what it means to go Mach 5, Rob. <laughs> go with Mach 5. Oh, man. <laughs> Fluffy fingers. <laughs> oh, Daryl. I'm excited that we're going to finally start seeing him regularly. Yeah, not nearly enough Craig Robinson so far in, it's true. in this series. It's true. Always a delight when he shows up. Yes. And do we even see him at the poker night itself once that's in swing? I don't think we do. No. Yeah, there's a number of oh, characters. What a waste. There's a number of characters I wish we could see in that kind of environment. Like, we don't see Stanley, really. No, if we do, maybe one time off in the background with the establishing shot, and that's it. Right, yeah. He's he's not, he doesn't have any dialogue or any, you know, yeah. scenes where it's predominantly him. Uh, Meredith, we don't really see. We saw a deleted scene with her that was really funny. Right, deleted scene was great. She t- she starts talking to one of the car dealers and <laughs> uh, basically says like, I-, "I feel like I recognize you." And then they both put it together and they met at some bar one night and then ended up having sex with each other in the parking lot. Right. <laughs> and then once once Meredith remembers all this, she uh, seems very disappointed in herself. Yeah. Which I feel like maybe the reason they cut it is because the Meredith that we know would just would have probably just given him a high five and walked away. Right. I don't see her being that ashamed. No. The shame makes no sense. Yeah. So I understand why they cut that, but still funny. And I wish we would have seen more of these people. Mm -hmm. I feel like Oscar Who are you calling these people, Rob? (laughs) (laughs) I feel like Oscar would have they could have done something fun with him being so good with numbers. Yeah. You know? Counting cards. Yeah, something. Yeah. He gets thrown out of casino night because he's counting cards at the blackjack table. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. They could have come up with something. but Gil making snippy comments to him. Oh, yeah. yeah. Was Gil there? Well, no, actually, because Oscar has not come out yet. He hasn't. So that would make no sense at all. Unless he just brought a quote-unquote friend right but he still seems too timid to even go that far yeah i don't see yeah moving on we get a shot of dwight trying to unleash his inner telekinesis (laughs) on his bobblehead 
unsuccessfully <laughs> multiple times. Very intent look in his eye. Yes. And he does various <laughs> things with his hands to try and get it to move. At one point, he's he's got his fingers at the corners of his eyes while he concentrates. And <laughs> You ever do that when you were a kid? Oh, yeah. Yeah. There was... I, I've told you about this dream I had. Oh, yeah. There was, <laughs> there was one point... It was in high school, and I had been practicing lucid dreaming. Uh-huh. I had been taking valerian root tea and melatonin and all that stuff, keeping a dream journal, and one of the few times I was actually able to lucid dream was a telekinesis dream, where mm. I was able to move objects with my mind... And it was so, it felt so real that when I woke up, I tried to do it. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously it didn't work, but I was almost convinced. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was a pretty big Star Wars fan. And mm. I guess still am, but maybe not as much as I was, but I definitely yeah. tried to use the force. <laughs> I mean, you never know. You never know. I mean, you could be pretty sure, but. Right. Maybe you're the one, you know? <laughs> That's awesome. It's fairly low stakes endeavor, at least. Yeah. We moved to Pam and Jim in the conference room, putting a VHS labeled Scrantonicity into the VCR to watch. They joke about how hard it will be to hire someone, as they are all so good. And Pam says she should hire them all and have three stages like Lollapalooza. <laughs> which Jim quips, oh, your mom would love that. <laughs> As Scrantonicity plays, amazement washes over Pam's face as she recognizes Kevin on the drums. Yep. As his band plays Don't Stand So Close to Me by the Police. <laughs> Jim, as soon as he recognizes Kevin, his mind is blown. And he compliments Kevin on the song choice. <laughs> nice song, Kev. <laughs> and points out that Kevin is both the drummer and the vocalist. It's a rare combo. It is. And it's, you know, I dabble with drums whenever I jam with my band. I usually get on there for like 15, 20 minutes and just play around. And like, even once it becomes secondhand, I still can't imagine being able to sing while you do it. I guess that's why some people consider Phil Collins to be a national gem. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, sure. <laughs> some people. In a talking head, we see Kevin explains that his band doesn't actually play in public that often, and they really hope the wedding works out. It could be a turning point for the band. Yep. <laughs> that one kind of hit home for me, because I'm in a band and we don't play out in public. Did I not tell you that I want you to play at my wedding? What? Yeah. Oh, man, that's amazing. It could really be a turning point for my band. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> After this talking head with Kevin, Jim decides that he's going to make a big decision for Pam and her wedding. Wow. Oh! Oh my! Yeah, you haven't seen that since 1983. <laughs> that is amazing. Okay, we have to sign him. We're going to call the label. No, We're gonna, no, 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 come you're back! You're going to lose him to no, another wedding. No, no, no. Jim! Jim is great. Being with him just takes away all the stress of planning my wedding. Yeah, so when Jim exclaims that Oh, you haven't seen that since 1983. Kevin and his band had thrown on a filter on the video, which I believe is the posterization filter, <laughs> where basically color gradients are... It, it limits the amount of color that's shown in the in the spectrum. So you get blotchy sections of beige and 
black and yellow and right yeah they kind of bleed into each other really rough it it looks i mean the effect is supposed to make it look like an old movie poster from Uh back in the day that's screen printed when you only have so many colors available to you yeah and i feel like you definitely saw a lot of that in the early 80s yeah for sure or all the 80s take on me comes to mind the video so i've got a question for you rob what's that what do you think is a more effective and higher quality music video take on me or kevin and scranicity doing don't stand so close to me i gotta give it to kev yeah yeah kevin and the zits for the win yeah not yet it really when kevin throws on that filter it it really uh takes off 10 years looks like <laughs> a young man again he does yeah the full ashton kutcher like head of hair <laughs> <laughs> what's funny is he's actually wearing a fedora oh yeah he is <laughs> it's hilarious probably to cover up his lack of hair yeah yeah <laughs> and what a funny song to put on your demo tape don't stand so close <laughs> to me by the police well i think that don't we find out at phyllis's wedding when uh roy requests um his and pam's prom song to be played yeah. doesn't jim or it's not jim uh for obvious reasons, but uh, somebody expresses surprise that the song is playing because they thought that their band only played the police. So I'm pretty <laughs> sure they're more or less a police cover band. There you go. Okay, <laughs> that makes sense. That's hilarious. And from here, we see Pam fielding some phone calls for Michael and saving him from some social faux pas. Yes? Michael, Carol Stills for you. Who? Carol Stills. Do I know a Carol Stills? Your realtor. Oh, yeah, put her through. Hey, Carol, how goes the real estate biz? Is it real good? Still me. Sometimes I don't put Michael through until he's already said something. I look at it as a practice run for him. He usually does better on the second attempt. Carol, you're on with Michael. Hello, Michael. Hi, Carol, how you doing? I'm great. I just needed one last signature for your mortgage insurance. Oh, hey, no problemo. Incidentally, I love the place. Oh, great. Great. Has a little bit of a weird smell. It's okay. At Christmas, the tree helped. Oh, good. I'm glad. Um, can I drop that over later? Um, actually, I'm sort of hosting this, this charity thing in our warehouse, Casino Night. Oh, great. Yeah, it'll be good. Uh, you know what? Why don't you come by? Bring the papers, I'll sign them, and then you can stay and have a drink. To the casino thing? Yeah, it'll be fun. What do you... Uh, what? what? Do you, Oh, I'm sorry. Could you hold on? Michael, yes. Jan's on line two. Oh, okay, put her through. Jan Levinson, I presume. Still me. Uh, Jan, here's Michael. Michael. Hey, Jan. How you doing? You know, I um, I thought about it, and uh, you are right. I am. I could use a little fun, so I am going to drive up for your casino night. Oh. Okay. Incidentally, uh, what is the charity? AIDS. Okay, then. I will uh, see you tonight. Okay. Sounds great. Bye-bye. Bye. Uh, hello, Carol? Hi, sorry about that. I just... Uh, no problemo. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, uh, I... To answer your question... Yeah. Yes. What? I'd love to go. Okay. I have to get a sitter, but that shouldn't be a problem problem good and i'll bring the papers too good all right sounds great 
I'll see you tonight. Bye. Bye. Two queens on casino night. I am going to drop a deuce on everybody. <laughs> oh man again steve carell where have you been this whole time not right. writing episodes i think that might be one of my favorite scenes in the series up to this point honestly agree michael in his office on the phone hi jan how you doing yeah <laughs> <laughs> i love how just standard and normal his second go around is yeah <laughs> Uh, it also shows the understanding that Steve Carell has about the character he's playing. Right. Like, that is such a Michael Scott thing to do. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> is it real good? <laughs> uh, and the Pam, the fact that Pam is like a gatekeeper for him socially is, uh, it's just, it's brilliant. Yeah, I feel like this episode... I wonder if it's Steve Curl's writing or maybe just the tone that Pam's in a good mood in general because, you know, she's having fun with Jim and her marriage is, her wedding's coming up. Yeah. But uh, she seems very softened towards Michael. Like, if you think about Pam season one, she hates life. Every scene, she just is screaming on the inside. Every moment she's at work, she hates Michael. Yeah, as I was going to say, especially when Michael... Yeah, I mean, she still has fun goofing around with Jim when she's at work, but yeah. just any time Michael's involved, she... It's it's like she's just, like, barely containing rage towards him almost most of the time. Like, she's right. seconds from snapping and just being like, what is wrong with you? It's true. But now, I feel like this Pam that we see in this episode is much more like the Pam we see as the series moves forward, where mm -hmm. she kind of views michael almost as just this child right. that she works for yeah which is an appropriate way to view michael it's true yeah and a compassionate one yep more compassionate than he deserves even i mean again the michael scott in season one is a lot different than the michael scott we have now that is well. true yeah so yeah yeah but it, i mean it's a good transition i definitely like this dynamic it That's is a lot better. And I like yeah. seeing this Pam. I like happy Pam, not sad. Yeah. Miserable Pam. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. All right. We move forward to casino night. We see Pam and Roy celebrating a victory as Jim watches from a table with Ryan. I find it kind of funny that Ryan and Jim seem to be hanging out in this situation. Yeah. I, I've noticed that. It seems like there's a lot of scenes where if Pam is with Roy and drinking is involved or they're just not like in the general office space, Jim and Ryan seem to half the time just be hanging out together. And it's usually yeah. you only see it for like one or two shots and then they separate. Maybe it's kind of like a Toby and Ryan thing where it's like they just kind of recognize like, oh, you're Toby a normal yeah. <laughs> level headed person in a sea of crazies. That could be it. So. I was also going to say maybe it's uh, that, you know, they weren't necessarily given a specific place to be when the, they started shooting the scene. They were just, you know, just kind of fill out the room. Oh. And that John Krasinski and uh, BJ, BJ Novak, Novak are yeah. two of the people that had a friendship prior to That's doing right. the show. Yeah, they went to high school together. Yeah, so, so even though their characters kind of despise oh. each other moving forward, not at this point, but no. they will. Yeah. Yeah, maybe that's just, you know, they were already talking, so it's just easier. 
And it's not like that weird that you would be like, no, don't have this because that makes no sense. Like when we saw the behind the scenes for booze cruise, for instance, and you cut into the booth of John Krasinski sitting next to Angela Kinsey, like that wouldn't make any sense to have a shot of that in the episode. It's totally true. Why would they ever be sitting next to each other? Right. Yeah. Thinking about it, those two interact probably the least than any other two characters. I mean, maybe I'm. Have just, they even exchanged a single word? I don't with one even. Another? Yeah, I can't. I and can't do they th- as the series moves forward? I don't know. I can't think of anything right now. Neither can I. The only time I can listeners can let the us o- know. Yeah, the only time I can really think that that would happen is after Jim becomes manager. Oh and yeah, he's kind of addressing the whole office, and maybe he has a direct question from Angela or comment from Angela. Right, that definitely happens. And, but. Uh, Somebody stop that small blonde woman. She stole my baby. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Look at all the scones in here. Hundreds. Sconesy cider. (laughs) All right. Back to casino night. Michael walks up to greet Carol as she walks in. She compliments Michael on how great it looks in there, and he thanks her. And kind of awkwardly leans in and steals a kiss off her cheek while she's looking around. Yeah. She gives him a weird look and showing a rare modicum of awareness. He tries to save himself by kissing her on the other cheek. (laughs) That's how we do it in the paper biz. It's European and... Michael, Michael. (laughs) Suddenly Dwight walks up and Michael seizes on the opportunity and he grabs Dwight and kisses him on both cheeks. Ah, Dwight! And I love Dwight's reaction after Michael finishes the second kiss. He's just kind of like, hey. Yeah. Hey, he's, stranger. He's perfectly fine with it. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Kind of happy that it just happened. <laughs> uh, Dwight, while continuously looking at Carol, who is well within earshot right next to them, says in Michael's ear, not even in a whisper. He says, if anything, he's projecting it somewhat loudly. I know. It's ridiculous. <laughs> he says that. Codename Remax is here. No sign of Lan Jevonson. <laughs> I also enjoy that uh, the entire concept of code names, especially in a situation like this, would be so that you could speak about someone without them realizing you're speaking about them. Right. So the one connection he has to Carol is she's his real estate business, so they go with codename Remax. Remax. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, in a talking head with Dwight, he explains that He's Michael's wingman for the night. He has two dates. His job is to keep Jan away from Carol and vice versa. He explains that Michael said, We must deceive them so as not to hurt them. And in that way, we honor them. (laughs) (laughs) I watched this episode with Carrie, and when she heard that line, she was just like, Ugh. <laughs> I mean, I don't think it's supposed to be viewed as a particularly insightful or sensitive line of thinking. Well, no, it's more that just how they're treating women. Oh, of course. Yeah. That's what she was disgusted with. But again, I, I think, you know, based on everything we've seen of Michael, like, ought our expectations be higher? No, of course not. <laughs> no. Uh, Michael offers Carol a drink and brags that oh the food is from hooters i like the way he says it from hooters hooters yeah that's right (laughs) trying to class it up a little bit (laughs) she quickly agrees to a drink a drink would be good (laughs) 
kind of doesn't want anything to do with the food. We see Creed distract someone by pointing, and then he quickly steals their chips off the table. <laughs> In the talking head with Creed, he explains that he steals stuff all the time. It's just a thing he does. He stopped caring a long time ago. And they should see how many supplies he's taken from this place. We see a shot of him stealing a candy bar, and he explains with a smile that he just loves stealing things. <laughs> and from here we see Creed stuffing, like, I, I don't even know, like, the size of the box. It's almost like a cigarette carton. Yeah, it looked fairly large, whatever it was. And he's just trying to put it in his jacket pocket without anyone notice. And we move on to Billy, the property manager. As a woman leans down and says that she's going to get a drink and asks if he wants anything. He declines and Michael slinks over, kind of creepily, saying his nurse is hot. That's my girlfriend. Your nurse became your girlfriend? Sweet. She was never my nurse. I met her at Chili's. She was my waitress. Chili's is great. (laughs) (laughs) We don't have to hear how it sounds in the recording, but I feel like I have a weirdly accurate Billy you do. impression yeah. to the point where it really boggles my own mind <laughs> <laughs> of all the characters to capture the voice of accurately. I do it with someone that has maybe three lines right? <laughs> spread out in two episodes. <laughs> from here, Michael stiffly walks away from Billy and he decides that it's time to formally address the room. Welcome and bienvenue and welcome to Monte Carlo. Dwight, I am no longer your boss. Lady Fortune is your boss. Will Lady Fortune give me a raise? Shut it, shut it. Will Lady Fortune be your mistress? Only time will tell, my friends. Leave all your preconceived notions about casinos at the door. Old friends, new lovers, and the disabled, welcome all. Great. Okay. Shuffle up and deal. Let's get it started. Black-eyed crows. (laughs) Black-eyed crows. (laughs) And that's the black-eyed peas, right? Oh, yeah. Let's get started. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd never listened to either of them, so I'm just double checking. Yeah. It's crazy <laughs> to think about, because that song was popular when the first Harold and Kumar came out. It's probably around this time. Yeah, it must be, because it was in that movie. Yeah. Yeah. I love how Michael pulls out glow sticks after the <laughs> noisemakers that he throws on the floor, startling everyone. Right. And that the room is perfectly well lit. It makes no sense for him to have glow sticks. Yeah. And that he's trying to do decorative things with them, but clearly doesn't know how. So he's just kind of waving them around. Weird, and, yeah. And he's doing weird twirling motions. He's trying to twirl them between his fingers, but doesn't know how. So it just yeah. all looks very awkward. Trying to do elaborate patterns in the air, but not doing a very good job at all. Right. <laughs> it's good stuff. It is. <laughs> I wanted to bring up that this monologue that Michael just gave introducing Casino Night was what we used as the opening monologue of our trial run of doing this podcast. Right. <laughs> And it's still our podcast description on Facebook and well, That's we got right. Podbean as well. Yeah, we do. We have a little little bit of that monologue in, in our blurb. Yep. It's a good monologue. About us, yeah. 
and our trial run was would not have been a great episode. No, of our show. It's pretty rough around the edges, to say the least. Yeah, we we were just kids. <laughs> <laughs> And we've talked about it. We're considering releasing it to patrons if we ever start up a Patreon page, which we might do in the break. It'd be fun. So See our humble beginnings. Yeah. Definitely don't go into it expecting greatness. No. No, it's, uh, it's pretty rough. <laughs> <laughs> I want to say that we didn't even have an outline. We were literally just skimming through an episode like frame by frame or not right frame by frame, i think we but... thought that we could just keep on pausing right and playing like you know the audio capture of us as we like talk about the episode going through it scene by scene yeah and uh which i mean it, it seems plausible it didn't end up being very smooth though no <laughs> and it took like four hours to it get through the, a long the first episode <laughs> oh man all right let's finish this up here Michael sits down for his first hand of poker, and when he's asked to check, he decides to go all in immediately. <laughs> but we also see that Toby had been dealt two jacks. In a talking head with Michael, he jokingly brags about his bluffing abilities. And then, back at the table, he gets very upset when Toby calls his all-in. He protests, saying Toby is being insane. He went all-in on the first hand. You don't call someone who went all in on the first hand <laughs> means he could have some really good cards and the dealer explains that he can't recall toby's call he's gone all in and that's that and toby flips his cards and michael throws his cards down angrily without waiting for the flop and storms off as toby takes the winnings <laughs> I'm I'm pretty sure. So would there be a flop? No, that's okay. I wasn't sure about that when I wrote the outline. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that if you go, if the if the the calling and the bets end before the flop comes out, you have to just show what cards you have in your hand. So if one card from the flop had already been out and then they went all in, then it would be you know they well, both they wouldn't their... they wouldn't have flipped the cards until all the bets were finished. Right. I guess that. Well, if everyone... so, Toby couldn't have gone all in. Well, okay, Once. but I'm saying after, if it was po after the first round of betting, I guess is what I'm saying. Let's say they flip one card on the table. Well, the first is three. Oh, right. You're right. So there yeah. you go. Right. So I guess there would be three minimum. Yeah. And then the rest would be flipped anyway. And then, yeah, two right. more following that. I wonder what Michael had. <laughs> we'll never know. No. <laughs> so Toby takes his winnings and we get a talking head with Toby. Explaining <laughs> that he doesn't really play cards but it felt really good taking money from Michael. He's going to chase that feeling. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Moving on from here, we see Dwight explain in, in a voiceover that he has an advantage as he's great at reading people. Jim, for example, coughs whenever he has a great hand. <laughs> we see Jim cough and a bored Dwight folds his hand. Jim rakes in his substantial winnings and reflects how it's the weirdest thing. Whenever he coughs, Dwight folds. <laughs> I love how exaggerated Dwight is when he uh, folds his hand after watching him Yeah, he's cough. like, oh, thank God. He just like he throws his head up in the air and just opens his mouth. Just like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> Fishing with dynamite. <laughs> uh, from here, we see Michael standing alone, upset at the fact that he just lost his... All of his money 
during the first <laughs> round of poker that he played. And Carol walks up and attempts to comfort him. Wow, bad luck. Ah. Yeah, whatever. Hey, you know what? If luck weren't involved, I would always be winning. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Michael? Jan? Hi. Look, okay, I think we're all adults here. And it has always been my understanding that we have an open relationship. What what are you you talking about? Uh, What does that mean? Then, after you said you weren't coming, I invited Carol to come, and I don't think that I did anything wrong. No. No, you didn't. Hi, I'm Jan. I'm Michael's boss. Hi. Does anyone want a drink? Uh, No, I'm good. Um, yeah. Hey, hey, what? Jan's here. (laughs) (laughs) So you don't, you kind of hear it in the clip, but when Dwight runs up to Michael to inform him that Jan has arrived, he does the double cheek kiss. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Only... Michael does not seem nearly as receptive to it as when he did it to Dwight. No, I, I love that he's confused and taken aback now at the precedent that he set. <laughs> and honestly, there's like a moment of disgust on his face yeah. right after Dwight finishes. It makes me think of Michael's soup snakes expression. Yeah. You and I are soup snakes. And the reason... <laughs> <laughs> I like that he doesn't even greet Jan either. He just goes, God! <laughs> oh God, oh God, oh God. Look, Jan, I didn't do anything wrong. We're all adults. Oh, that's funny. He says he always understood them to be in an open relationship when they're definitely not in any relationship. No. <laughs> oh, man. So open, it doesn't exist. <laughs> we move on to Dwight. He's playing craps. The table's hot. Everyone's real excited for his dice roll. Yeah, everyone's going nuts at this table. Yeah. Angela walks up to ask about it and wishes him luck after he explains how it works. What does he say? I think he just says that if he rolls an eight, everybody wins or something like that. Uh, And she says, then roll an eight. Yeah. (laughs) Then roll an eight. Thank you, Angela. Good luck, Dwight. (laughs) Dwight rolls the dice and it's an eight. Hey! And he's super stoked. And he pulls Angela in for a big old kiss on her cheek. Mm-hmm. And I feel like he makes a noise as he does it, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Angela recoils and slaps him in the face and storms off. <laughs> but she has a little smirk on her face, a little secret smile. It tickled her fancy. It did. And even Dwight, who at first is... Not super happy about the fact that he just got slapped in the face. Also shows a little bit of a smile as he watches her walk away. Yeah, he just, I think it just surprised him. Yeah, yeah. Just was a little <laughs> taken aback, but cool with it. <laughs> I like that little interaction. And I like that Phyllis clearly looks up and saw it all go down, but just didn't say anything about it either. Nobody really did. Oh, well, yeah. But she's the only one I noticed specifically looking up at them as it right. happened. yeah. She's into the the dishing and the drama. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we see Jim and Pam playing poker with Kevin, and she bluffs him, being very flirty about it and giggly, and she kind of does this 
I don't know, looks off to the side and mm-hmm. up and this little ham head bobble thing. Yeah. I don't know. It kind of makes me think of the same physical move she makes when she's making fun of Katie on the booze cruise at the gym. Mm, kind of yeah. moving her head side to side and smiling, You're right. showing off her teeth as she does it. Yeah. She also, I have to say, in the dress and with her hair and just dressed up a lot more than she usually is at work, she looks amazing oh, in yeah. this episode. And made up a little bit more. Yep. And she looks like an angel. Yeah. She does. She looks great. Yeah. Jim points out, what was that? <laughs> After Pam does her little flirtatious tell. Mm-hmm. And Jim doesn't believe her. Doesn't believe yeah, she says she has good cards. Yeah, and Jim's like, eh, I don't know. And Kevin agrees. Says that she's full of it. Yeah, I think she's full of it. <laughs> so he calls, too. Mm-hmm. And turns out that Pam had a straight to Jim's triple nines. And she wins the hand. Yep. <laughs> Kevin announces Jim Halpert, ladies and gentlemen, and starts a clap. And <laughs> yep. Jim raises his drink and thanks everybody. Tells him it's been fun. Mm-hmm. But he's he's got to bow out. That was all his money. Yep. We move to the bar where Carol sidles up to Jan. And they both order a drink. Jan orders a Cosmo. Carol orders red wine. And comments on how long of a drive it was for Jan to get there from New York. Jan says, yeah, you know, it's part of the job. Keep an eye on things. But they're kind of she's kind of cold to Carol. It's a little awkward. Oh, it's very awkward. Did yeah. you also, I don't know if you noticed, I forgot to write it down on my notes because um, I actually didn't notice it until like the second or third time I was going back to uh-huh. look at things, that as they're talking, Michael walks up from behind Oh yeah, and sees that they're both talking uh-huh. and then just like quickly just does like a <laughs> crazy look and just turns around and just like kind of yeah, comically yeah. like Jim Carrey like creeps away like uh-huh. very exaggeratedly. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like, uh oh. <laughs> Uh, Jan starts to ask Carol how long she and Michael have been together. But before she can finish her question, Carol cuts her off and says, oh, well, I guess, you know, tonight would be our first date. Casino night in the warehouse. Good sport. Well, I'm having a nice time. Oh, me too. Me too. <laughs> I, I wouldn't call this interaction catty, necessarily. Just... No, but it's... I, I feel like any... Cattiness is coming from Jan. Yeah. I feel like Carol is standing her ground and clearly is not going to be like put in a position to feel weird by this woman she just met. Right. And she's making that clear. But she, I feel like she's making that so clear that it's like she's not being affected by Jan enough for it to even become catty. She's just like, whatever, lady. Like, it's true. You know, her stakes in this situation are so low that. Yes. That's a good point. (laughs) We cut to the bar briefly where we see Jim standing next to Ryan while Ryan's ordering a drink, he, or a couple drinks. He orders a beer and one seven and seven with eight maraschino cherries, sugar on the rim, blended if you can. So that's still going on, huh? You and Kelly? <laughs> Ryan doesn't really answer. He just kind of like acknowledges with a solemn stare into the bar that yes that's <laughs> still very much going on it's clearly not for him yeah <laughs> i love how uh how he rattles off that drink order too like it's for sure not the first time he's oh no that drink yeah he knows exactly what she wants <laughs> <laughs> down to the number of cherries yep and moving on 
we see Michael at the craps table, flanked by Jan and Carol. All right. One is four. Shooter, roll it. Four. Come on, shooter. Shoot yeah! Also, you, not playing favorites. All right. Here we go. All right. Hey. Yeah! Five. Five. So close. Well, so close. Come on. So, uh, where are you staying, Radisson? What? Super 8? No, Until 6? Best Western? I, I didn't I'm to get Holiday Inn? The Hyatt and Wilkes Ferry? Sure. Are you staying with Michael? All right! <laughs> All right. I'm not going to lie, even though I, I feel like it's a good conversation, brief as it is, between Dwight and Jan. Yeah. I, 90% of the reason I wanted to clip that was for the, all right. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. It's funny. I mean, we need to note that it wasn't, Michael wasn't even saying that in regards to the conversation. That, no, he was not paying any attention. No, he was just excited about the happenings at the table. Right. That was purely in the background. It was just good timing. I also uh, think it's worth mentioning that when Michael, I mean, yeah, doesn't get across fully that he's having a Carol and then tries to have Jan blow on the dice for good luck. <laughs> Jan, yeah. Jan does not do it at all. No. <laughs> and he just kind of goes along as if she did. Right. If anything, she recoils her face a little bit from the dice when he raises them. Yes. Not playing favorites. <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> Michael trying to handle two dates at once. It's He can't even handle one date at once. No. <laughs> Although he's not doing bad with Carol at this point. No, no, Surprisingly. he's not. She is shockingly open-minded when it comes to him. <laughs> so true. Yeah. I think her secret is that she's one of the more sane characters in the entire series, little as we see her. It's true. So the camera zooms in on Kevin wearing a fancy gold bracelet and reading glasses. Right. He looks very Vegas. Mm-hmm. In a talking head, he explains he won the 2002 2500 No Limit Deuce to Seven Draw Tournament at the World Series of Poker in Vegas. So, yeah, he's pretty good at poker. <laughs> Back at the table, Kevin goes all in, as does Phyllis. Bob supports her, but she says she doesn't care if she wins. It's just fun to play. Kevin has three queens, and Phyllis says she just has an ace. Until Oscar points out that she has a flush. <laughs> she wins the hand and remarks, Look, I have all the clovers. <laughs> and asks Kevin if he wants to play again. Yeah. And we get another talking head with Kevin. And he just simply says, I suck. <laughs> In Kevin's defense, I mean, I, I can't say that I know that much about playing poker at all. But I do know... Have known enough people that are into playing poker to know that all of them say like one of the hardest things to do when you know how to play poker is to play against someone that doesn't even know the rules of poker because they will just do things that don't defy all logic in terms of their bets. Yep. And you can't you can't anticipate any of that. It's true. That's funny. It's like playing a fighting game with someone that's never played it before. There's going to be. A brief window where they dominate because they are just mashing buttons until they figure out what the buttons do, and then suddenly right. they become horrible. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> so we see Kevin at the bar. He's kind of depressed. And Roy approaches <laughs> to empathize with his loss and tells Kev that he saw his tape and his band rocks. He asks Kevin if they want to play his wedding. Kevin is overjoyed. He says... <laughs> 
awesome. <laughs> but checks that Pam said it's okay. Roy says, eh, whatever. He's in charge of the music, and Kevin promises that he will not be sorry. And from here we move into the parking lot mm-hmm. where Jim and Jan <laughs> have a little conversation. It's funny saying their names together like that. Yeah. Jim and Jan. Jim Jan. Jim Jan. <laughs> Smoke? You uh, having fun? Fabulous time. I drove two and a half hours to get here. Yeah, we all left really work have... early, drove down here, and I, I, I am completely underdressed. I think you look great. Why did I hook up with Michael? Yeah, why didn't you? It was very late, Jim. Very, very late. And mm-hmm. uh, have you given any more thought to the transfer? Oh, yeah. Good. Mm-hmm. Have you told anyone? No. Oh, you should. Not really a funny clip, but it's important for the progression of events that are yeah. about to take place. I don't think they all have to necessarily be funny. No. But, uh, I mean, talk about not funny clips, you know. <laughs> Our next one, I wouldn't say is the height of hilarity by any stretch. No. But but I still think, yeah, it's an important conversation since it kind of acts as a catalyst to our next clip. Indeed. in a bit. Yeah, I agree. And um, I also love the just the timing of Jan's, you know, why did I hook up with Michael? Jim's, yeah, why did you? Yeah, it was late. It's very late. <laughs> and then she changes the subject. I don't know. I, I do like that. I also like that when Jim starts to say that they're all something to the effect of them all appreciating that she came down, she <laughs> yeah. just immediately cuts them cuts off them before off. he even gets out two words. She probably knows that it's not a genuine, you know. Right. I I also see it as just part of Jan being a self-absorbed enough person that, like, Jim is barely even a human being to her in that moment. Like, he's just kind of a sounding board. <laughs> Poor Jim. He seems to be finding himself in that situation quite a bit recently. Yeah. <laughs> but I feel like we see it with Jan a lot as the series moves on. It this That made me think a lot of when she comes into a room and... Someone says, hey, Jan, and she goes, not too good, and just brushes past them. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, she's a great character. Oh, yeah, she's great. Back inside, we see Creed swipe a stack of green chips next to Angela. <laughs> she looks on disapprovingly, but doesn't say anything. Oh, really? Yeah, no, she is watching him the entire time <laughs> it's amazing <laughs> she follows his arm from the table to his pocket <laughs> that's hilarious and i also love that she's just like standing there observing and like trying not to have any fun at all right yeah. well gambling is probably a sin or something right yeah <laughs> maybe that's she sees creed uh, that's why she wouldn't say anything it's you got a way like uh. you know stealing is a sin but if you're stealing from people that are gambling you know it's like <laughs> Who's worse? Yeah, yeah, if you go into a room and start kicking stuff over, like, obviously that's not okay, but what if the room is in Sodom and Gomorrah? Then, like, you know, it's 
you're playing for the right team, even if you're doing it for the wrong reason. So yeah. Maybe in Angela's eyes. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Creed is an envoy god <laughs> in that moment. <laughs> it's time for Bob Vance to announce tonight's chip leader and winner of a beautiful mini fridge, courtesy of Vance Refrigeration. Creed Bratton, Dunder Mifflin. <laughs> That's a good Bob. I, I like it. <laughs> I try. I always love that line. Like, <laughs> I, I made it a point to write in the outline beautiful the way I did. Yeah, for yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. But I even just like how he stresses winner. Like he kind of growls it. Yeah. And winner. <laughs> we should do an episode uh, where you do an entire episode as Bob Vance and I do it as Billy. <laughs> <laughs> there you go <laughs> two of the more minor characters around the office park <laughs> that's hilarious uh so creed gets up he just shakes a bunch of chips out of his sleeve i think it's the ones that maybe he just stole in front of Andrew. yeah yeah <laughs> that's so funny he he walks up to thank Bob, shakes his hand to receive his gift and says, Thanks. Never owned a refrigerator. <laughs> to which Bob and Phyllis just kind of look at Creed like, Are you are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> and I, I want to mention, too, that I, I don't remember exactly when this happens, but I know from my previous go-throughs of the deleted scenes, in either season six or seven, or maybe even eight, we have a deleted scene where it shows that Creed is living in Dunder Mifflin like two nights a week. Oh yeah. When the office staff isn't there at night and we see that like he has a sleeping bag set up under his desk and the Vance refrigeration mini fridge plugged in next to it as well. And those are like the only uh, two things we see. That's amazing. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and moving on from here, we find ourselves in the parking lot. Yes. Where Roy is leaving. He's leaving. He's he's beat. Sorry, babe. I'm just beat. It's okay. I'll see you at home. Okay. Hey, don't try to lose too much money, all right? In okay. case you're still on a, on a honeymoon. <laughs> hey, Halford. Keep an eye on her, all right? Okay. Will do. Bye. Hey. Hey, how's it going? Good. Especially after I took all your money in poker. Yeah. Uh, hey, uh, can I talk to you about something? About when you want to give me more of your money? No, Did won't. you want to do that now? Literally. We can go inside. I'm feeling kind of good tonight. I was just, um... I'm in love with you. What? I'm really sorry if that's weird for you to hear, but I needed you to hear it. Probably not good timing. I know that. I just. What are you doing? What do you expect me to say to that? I just need you to know. Once. Well, I, um. I. I can't. Yeah. You have no idea. Don't do that. What your friendship means to me. Come on. I don't want to do that. 
I want to be more than that. I can't. I'm really sorry if you misinterpreted things. It's probably my fault. Not your fault. I'm sorry I misinterpreted uh, our friendship. There's a couple things I noticed this time around that I never noticed before. Lay it on us. So, first thing, which is minor compared to the other, uh-huh. is that when Roy cracks the joke about like, "Hey, don't spend too much more money unless if you you know want to go on a honeymoon." Uh huh. And when Pam laughs, it's very much just to like humor Roy. It's not a genuine right laugh like she normally has with Jim when he cracks a joke. Yeah, I just ne- I mean, like I've seen I've seen examples of that throughout, but I never really thought about it until yeah, now. Yeah, that was a good observation. I didn't think about that either. And the second thing I picked up on is as soon as Jim says, uh, "I'm in love with you," all of a sudden the camera starts moving around a lot more erratically, and it's almost like the camera people are like, "Oh, this is it." This is the moment. Yeah. Everyone get in position. Yeah. That's a great observation. I want to say that that is a Ken Quippy touch. (laughs) I also love at this point that he's just Quippy. He's just Quippy. (laughs) I'm not even ever going to say Quappas. He's just Quippy to me. You just said it. Yeah. Damn it, Rob. Shoot. Cut. Cut it all. (laughs) But yeah, that was a really brilliant touch that I've never picked up on before. No, me neither, and I'm glad that you said that, because I still didn't pick up on it, and that is a really brilliant touch. It's little moments like that where the camera all of a sudden becomes almost a character. Yeah. It's like the show. I catch a lot more of that going through the show this way than I had prior. Right. But, yeah, that was amazing. And, I mean, it goes almost without saying, but awesome acting from jenna fisher and john kaczynski in this scene of how her energy just goes from super happy go lucky and bubbly and funny Mm -hmm. and flirty to just the appropriate reaction to having you know the rug dropped out from under you just like do you i I kind of got this sense i could be way off so i wanted to see if you felt the same do you feel like the line that she says i'm sorry you misinterpreted things it's probably my fault was something that she almost had at the ready. I yeah, I mean, I could be going off on a limb here, and uh, oh man, it really it's too bad Carrie's not here because it yeah. would be nice to have like a female perspective. But mm-hmm. I almost feel like that's kind of a line that every woman has at the ready, like by necessity. Like if this is a conversation yeah. that they ever find themselves having, huh. and I feel like almost that she did have it on the ready because. When she's saying it, maybe she doesn't even know it as she's saying it, but she's not being genuine. Right. That's her response because she's clearly in love with him, too. And that's what makes me think that, like, she had run through this scenario in her head at least one time before this happened. Right. And I think it's one of those things that if she had, I, I don't know, I feel like, again, just credit to the writing and to the acting of Steve Carell and just everybody that I don't, I, I feel like it's very well done and just realistic how. Like, you know, if either of them had kind of played this scene out of how it would go in their heads and you have to assume based on their characters that they both have probably kind of played the scene out many times in their head Mm -hmm. that I feel like neither of them spoke remotely the way that they saw it going in their head. Because once 
you just get so overloaded with emotion. No, yeah. It's like, I feel like what John Krasinski does, especially both of them, but like how he kind of, after he says that, I feel like both of them become way less eloquent and they just start speaking in short, choppy sentences. And yeah, it's like they, it's, you know, if they say any more than one or two words at a time, they're going to start ugly crying. Right. So, it's, I mean, and John Krasinski by the end of the scene does have tears <laughs> streaming down his face that he's wiping away. I love the phrase ugly crying, but it's true. I, I feel know. like there's a distinction. I, I feel like if we we're to assign the way Jim cries in this scene, it's like the opposite of ugly crying. It's no, very it's true. like very restrained, but I feel like he also, he has, you know, you hear that voice wobble going where it's like, you yeah. know, the words are barely able to squeeze out of his esophagus as he's explaining himself to her. Right. And as she's just like, I, can't you know like that's all she can even squeeze out yeah and uh yeah i don't know i I imagine most people that are not children have been in a similar maybe not a similar situation to this but just all i mean by that is a situation where you find yourself so overcome with emotion that you can't speak yeah the way that you normally can for sure and yeah just kudos to them for Mm -hmm. the way they portray it and very it's a big moment in the show yeah very human, very organic, and yeah, it is. And yeah, and it's stepping away from the production and just their abilities. I mean, the yeah. show's been really leading up to this for 28 episodes. Yeah. 27. Well, yeah. almost 28 now, because this is towards the end of this episode. Right. And it's just been building and building. and Yeah. yeah it's a big moment. It is. Couldn't have been done better, really. And would do you think Jim would have ever said this if not for the conversation with Jan? Because I, I kind of feel like maybe he, it would have been something that he would have wanted to say and just wouldn't have worked up the courage or the nerve or found the time to do it. And because Jan kind of framed it in this way. Yeah, yeah. Suddenly he's put on the spot and he's just like, I have to do it. Right. Heavy scene. It's go time. Heavy scene. Yeah. Heavy stuff. But it's great. Yeah. Super well done. Uh-huh. Amazing effort by everybody. Moving forward. We're back inside the warehouse. Michael's standing with Carol, and Jan approaches. Hey, I'm leaving. Hey, yeah. okay. So I just wanted to congratulate you on a fantastic evening. Oh. Get the company proud. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, thanks for inviding me. You were right, I needed it. So okay. thanks. Thanks for coming. Nice to meet you, and uh, nice. you guys have a, have a good time together. Okay. okay. Talk to you Monday. Yeah. Bye. Good night. She's a good boss. She seems really nice. Oh, she's great. Love triangle, drama. All worked out in the end, though. The hero got the girl. Who saw that coming? I did. And Jan is really happy for me. So actually, the hero got two girls. He got the girl that he works with, and he got the girl that he buys real estate from. So I've got my New York girl and my local flavor. Life is good. Oh, great reverse sum up of the previous scene yeah (laughs) the juxtaposition of michael's talking head about his own love triangle to jim and pam's scene immediately before it is a fun juxtaposition and it's not the first or it might be the first time but it's not the last time we see that happen with michael no the feud comes to mind or the duel right where uh Michael sums up the episode being like, you know, you leave Scranton for a day and crazy things that happen. And the crazy thing he's referring to is just a conversation with David Wallace <laughs> versus everything he missed that he's summing up. <laughs> right. Inadvertently. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> also, 
<laughs> just the way he refers to Carol is local flavor. I know. <laughs> so gross. <laughs> and during that talking head, we see Jan very angrily and swiftly walking away from casino night. And she gets in her car and she holds up an overnight bag from her passenger seat. And she looks at it with, I almost want to say self resentment and disbelief. Right. That's definitely there. Yeah. Just like, I can't believe I came down here for him and wanted to stay with him. And how low is her self-esteem that not only have her standards fallen so low that she drove two and a half hours to have a booty call with Michael Scott, (laughs) but she got rejected by Michael Scott. Oh man, she is is not in a good place right now. (laughs) And he's there, and it's not even that he rejected her with like you know just not being into it it's he's in there with like an attractive you know blonde woman that suddenly out of nowhere right and one that's has a strong enough personality that jan can't like ding her armor in any way it's true and yeah she's just it's almost defeated woman yeah and i it's i think jan's in a state of disbelief that michael could pull a woman like that all right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, and we've gotten to our final scene in the season two finale. Yep. Of Pam on the phone up in the office. Mm-hmm. Speaking to her mom on Jim's desk phone. About 10 minutes ago. No, I didn't know what to say. Yes, I know. Um, I don't know, Mom. He's my best friend. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, I think I am. Um, I have to go. I will. Listen, Jim. Fin. Fin. <laughs> so I guess uh, since the audio only gets across so much. They kiss. Yes. Seeing Pam <laughs> hangs up on her mom when Jim comes into the darkened office and mm-hmm. walks right up and just plants one on her. Yeah. And she kisses him back. Yeah. She grabs his head even. Yeah. It's very tender. Mm-hmm. Very affectionate. Yeah. She's unsure at first. Yeah. And then they go in for the second kiss and she, she pulls him in. And then the third kiss. She pulls away, and Jim kind of looks at her like, ooh. Now what? Now what, yeah. Alternate take, because it's 2019, and we should reframe things, you know, in <laughs> uh-huh. modern context. We have one coworker admit his love to another coworker who's engaged. Right at, seconds after she says goodbye to her fiancé, she rejects him and shoots him down, goes up to the office where none of her coworkers are, Calls her mom to try to work through these feelings. And then this coworker who was just rejected approaches in the dark, sexually assaults this poor woman. <laughs> I mean, while the, while the framing is accurate, there's a lot of context behind it that isn't explained in that. But yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, 
But Maybe if anything, it's just a lesson into how context is really important for anything. <laughs> Very good point. Not to belittle anybody's no. stories or things that happen to them or things they go through in any way, shape, or form. Believe but, uh, women, Dan. I have never... <laughs> I know, man. I'm just messing with you. <laughs> yeah, so I'm curious. When she says to her mom, yeah, I think I am, what do you think that was in response to? You sound like you're hungry, darling. Are you hungry? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I am. Uh, it's like hilarious. Mad Libs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's funny, we were texting back and forth a little bit last week, talking about doing this episode. And you happened to mention that autoplay just kind of thrust you into the beginning of the third episode. Right, or and, the first episode of the third season. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, the first episode of the third season. And you point out, you're like, holy cow, I never realized how different Jim's hair is. It's and very different, yeah. This piqued my interest, so I checked it out, and it's like, oh, man, it's <laughs> way different. <laughs> it's like two inches shorter all around. Right? Back to back, yeah, it's a world of difference. It is. It's kind of like the scene where they're talking to Joe and Michael Russell's Jim's hair, and it's just all over the place and crazy, and then half a second later, it cuts back to Jim, and... His hair is just like very neatly perfectly molded back again. the way it was. Yeah. yeah. Gel. That's funny. Um, so, ah, man, what did, I don't know. I, I think that, uh, on a serious note, mm -hmm. Pam's mom probably asked if she thinks she might be in love with him too. Yeah. That's what I thought. I mean, what else could it be really? I know. Or, uh, yeah. I don't, Cause I think right before she says, I mean, they're clearly talking about Jim. She says it's her best friend. Right. I don't think she's talking about Roy. No. Hell no. <laughs> so, yeah. I have to assume that. Yeah. And I feel like Pam's mom already seemed to have an inkling of the way Pam felt about Jim from the scene that we see her come to visit the office. Yeah. Which one's Jim? Yeah. Yeah. She seems much more interested in which one Jim is than in the oldie station that Roy pre-configured <laughs> the car to be playing <laughs> because her mom is so old. Right. He does a dance from, like, Greece, which takes place in the 50s. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what I think. Yeah. I don't know what else could be. What do you think? Well, that's what I thought. Okay. Yeah. And that's the episode. That's it? That is the last episode of the second season. We did it. Second season is done. Dunzo. Dunzos. And now there's only one thing left to do, Dan. Ratings! Ratings! <laughs> I guess I'm up first, aren't I? That you are, my friend. Oh, boy. Shoo! It's a tough one. Yow. For MVP, I feel like there's so many directions to go in huh. as well. Yeah. Potential directions, depending on how we qualify MVP. And I mean, is MVP... I mean, it changes week to week. Right. It's all I how mean, we feel. If the most literal sense, it's the most valuable player, you know, so... Right. The most valuable contributor to the episode, but I feel like if we went purely off that, then it would almost always be Jim, Pam, Michael, or Dwight. Yeah. Which doesn't seem fair. No. 
So I'm going to go ahead and give it to Daryl, because I think that as impactful as this episode is emotionally and comedically and in every way, uh-huh. I you say dink and flicka and bippity boppity <laughs> way more than I say, uh, well, bippity boppity is another episode, but yeah. still, I say dink and flicka more than anything else from this episode. Yeah. I also thought about giving it to Creed, because it's the first time we kind of see his... <laughs> eccentric side fully yeah. come out you know beyond the his, odd identification his lawlessness right yeah which is a big part of creed absolutely but i think i'm gonna give it to daryl okay cool and I like that pick. Uh, as far as a rating for the episode go <laughs> i think because the rating system is fairly arbitrary best yeah i'm gonna give this episode 11 out of 10 <laughs> oh Queens on Casino Night. Wow. Yeah. I think it's my favorite episode so far in the series. Yeah, I will agree with you there so far. Yeah, I don't know if it's, it's my favorite so overall in the series, but definitely no. up there. It's in my top ten favorite all-time episodes, for sure. Okay. And I would say, yeah, just Steve Carell, writing-wise, knocked it out of the park. The directing is super on point. The acting. I like that the episode split evenly between antics at work and then the casino night and i feel like they found a really good balance for that yeah even though the episode's 10 minutes longer almost than any other episode Uh it feels shorter yeah and there's no wasted time at all it was a dense episode to outline but (laughs) i didn't mind it at all all the hours i put into doing it it just flew by and it was fun to do it right and uh yeah just great Overall, that's cool. all I can think of to say. I love it. Great stuff. All right. All around. Jim, Pam, Michael, Daryl. <laughs> Everybody. Everybody. <laughs> cool. I like it. I, I share a lot of your your feelings and thoughts. I believe my MVP for the episode. I've 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 been good this season about picking kind of the less obvious characters for mvp this is true and finding parts of performances that really never really struck a chord with me before but this time around did and i'm going to break that chain oh for this episode and i'm gonna give my mvp to michael scott it's well deserved i really just love his performance before casino night casino (laughs) night he's great hey jan how you doing (laughs) yeah (laughs) that scene i it's it's one of my favorite it's of so the good. show. Just <laughs> how ridiculous his initial greetings are, and then how subdued his second go around is, <laughs> and then he does it both times. I don't know. I also love. We didn't really talk about this in that scene, or maybe I didn't even think of it until right now with you framing it. But yeah. I love that it shows us the aspect of Michael Scott that he, in most situations, knows the way to play it. And just chooses, like he says to Toby, like, I hate everything about the way, the things you choose to be. (laughs) Yeah. He chooses to go a different way, you know? He could... Yeah. He knows that the way to answer that phone is, you know, hey, how you doing? He's a showman. But he just, yeah, he needs to find the joke, the funny angle. Yeah. Yeah. It's a perfect distillation of, you know, who he is in general. And like you said earlier about Steve Carell writing the episode, he just really fully understands this character that he's been playing now for almost 30 episodes. And I didn't even realize until you wrote this outline that this was a Steve Carell episode. Neither did I. Yeah, and it makes it all the better. And yeah, I was also going to bring up that 
exchange he had with Toby is why I picked him as MVP because <laughs> that delivery is just it's so amazing. Steve Carell just really knocked this one out of the park. And it it's also amazing to me that he might be, you know, the main writer behind all of the Jim and Pam scenes in this episode, which were amazing. Right. I mean, if you wrote the episode, I yeah. assume that he is. So, yeah. Bravo. Bravo. Don't you mean brava? Brava. <laughs> and as far as rating the entire episode, I won't share your rating with an 11, but I am going to give it a solid Ouch. 10. Solid 10. I'm saving. I'm only going to have one episode. That's, that's the difference a, between me and you, Rob. That's 11 I'm out of 10. I'm not afraid to break all the rules. You're not. I just love stealing things. Yeah. There's one episode I already know that I'm going to give it to. And it's the 11. It's the only one I'm, I'm going really? to give it to. Yeah. I'm going to give it a 13. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky number 13. This isn't a competition, Dan. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> No, but yeah, like you said, the structure of this episode is amazing. There's not a wasted minute, and it, it delivers. We've This tension between Jim and Pam has been building for 28 episodes now, and it finally broke here at the end, and it's, it's, it, had, it's, it has a lot of impact. They did a really good job with it. Most, a lot of shows try to do what they did here with like the building up of the love interest in a sitcom. And I, I don't know that another show has done it better than the office. I agree. Yeah. And I also, I didn't think about this until listening to you just break it down the way you did just now. Mm -hmm. But if you think about it, I mean, in addition to Michael summing up Jim and Pam's situation with his final monologue, kind of the opposite of it with his own, with Carol and Jan, Mm-hmm. If you think about it, the whole Michael and Jan relationship came to a similar head in this episode where finally it wasn't that one person broke down and finally told the other person how they felt, but it was that one person who's had someone telling them how they feel constantly and has been rejecting them finally broke down and said, all right, you know, yeah. let's give it a shot. And then they get rejected. Right. So it's like the complete opposite in every way yeah. of like two buildups of two different relationships. <laughs> They build up, both come to a very different head, and then end in similar yet opposite ways. Yeah. Where neither, like, relationship comes to fruition, but for entirely opposite reasons. That's a really good point. Yeah. yeah it's, it's like the mirror image of each other. Yeah, which, again, is just all the more impressive that Steve Carell, even if it wasn't his idea for the conceit of these relationships and how they were going to go, yeah, that he was the one who handled the kind of... I don't know, big payoff, if you will, yeah, of both of these for you know, sure. kind of lead-ups. Yeah. And then he did it so well. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I, I gotta say, my respect for Steve Carell as an artist just got bumped up further, yeah. further than it had been prior to doing this. Cause it was already at a dangerously high level for me. I know, that's my point. Higher. I didn't think it could get any better, yeah. and he just really blew me away. So, yeah, solid 10 out of 10. You gave it an mm -hmm. 11 out of 10, but... Yeah, just... What's your unit, though? Amazing TV. Oh, I'm sorry. 10 out of 10 great philanderers. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> All right! I can't believe I forgot my unit. I'm disappointed in myself. Oh, don't be. <laughs> I had it in there. I had it locked and loaded. I I, just... No, I, I don't doubt that for a yeah. second. But, uh... If any, it speaks to the quality of the episode that you're so overtaken with explaining your love of how it went down and how it was done that you didn't remember the yeah, units, you know, it's true. 
It's true. Yeah. Yeah. Mwah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and that's it. Season two. Oh, man. That's a wrap. It's a very bittersweet moment. It is. Yeah. And since we're changing the name, this is, in a way, the final episode final. of Out of Paper. It's true. Yeah. Stay tuned for what our name will be. We've got some good ones in the works. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting as we we might have to reapply to be distributed on all these platforms again. Right. But I mean obviously we won't you know, we'll launch all the content we already have. Oh, of course. So of course. Shouldn't be a noticed that big of a notice change, no. but uh people might have to update some feeds and of course we'll, you know, let everyone know. Yes. On all of our social media channels. Yes. Email Keep everyone sh- in the loop. Email shout outs to everybody who's contacted us. And right. We'll leave no paper person behind. And we'll probably, since we're changing the name, uh, almost definitely going to be changing up the logo fairly significantly. So it's true. More than happy to send out new stickers to anybody that we've sent stickers out to as well. Or at well. least I'm happy to. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I'm, I'm down to I'll do handle that. the sticker redistribution since Rob is bowing out. If anything. Gracefully. If you if you've received an out of paper sticker, that's that's going to be a very it's like a <laughs> limited edition. Yeah, yeah, that's a rare thing to have. Yeah, save that sticker, yeah. sell it, and then buy your grandkids a spaceship. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I would do with it, at least. Yeah. <laughs> so, anything more to add? I got nothing. No, we will see all of you on the other side. Indeed we will. Wherever that may end up. Look forward to our new podcast, Poopy Face McGee, <laughs> Deep Dives into the Office. <laughs> Poopy Face and McGee. We'll let you figure out which one of us is which. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> Plus Carrie as occasional guest. Yeah. Hey! <laughs> hey! <laughs> Alright everybody, keep your ear to the ground for our webisode casual talks we'll keep it in our out of paper feed right yes we're not going to change over no the feed until it all changes over at once right and we look forward to seeing you guys in season three we do peace out paper people later how lucky can one guy be i kissed her and she kissed me like the fella once said ain't that a kick in the head the room was completely black I hugged her and she hugged back Like the sailor said, quote Ain't that a hole in a boat My head keeps spinning I go to sleep and keep grinning If this is just a beginning My life is gonna be Beautiful, I've sunshine enough to spread It's just like the fella said Tell me quick, ain't love a kick in the head Out of Paper is not endorsed by DLD Productions or NBC and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The Office, the Office logo, and all character, pictures, and audio of The Office are registered trademarks and or copyrights of their registered copyright holders.